Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, U.S. Steel reaches what some are calling a historic settlement with the county and environmental groups. Someone wanted to bring a volcano to the south side. And we talk about flooding in Pittsburgh's very own bathtub. It's February 2nd, the Friday News Roundup. I'm Mary Lee Williams, and here's what Pittsburgh is talking about. I am here with CityCast Francesca DeBecco and Elizabeth Kama. Hi, y'all. Hello. Hey, happy Groundhog Day, everybody. Yes, yes. Happy Groundhog Day. We are recording this on Thursday. So unfortunately, we can't say what Punxsutawney Phil's prediction will be. But if you listen back to last week's Friday News Roundup, there is some hilarious Phil facts, and that is facts spelled with a PH. Get it <laughs> <Incredible>. right. <laughs> uh, producer Sophia Lowe put them together. They are so great. Yes. Uh, hilarious. Such a hoot. You can also find them on our website, pittsburgh.citycast.fm. Yes. A personal favorite of mine is about Phil's wife. Oh, my God. Um, R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. A legend, a queen. Um, but <laughs> so excited to be hanging out with you guys this week. I'm also like kind of jazz that you guys haven't talked about the volcano on the south side yet uh so i get to be the one to bring it up <laughs> yes the former double wide grill is eventually going to become spork island trading co and as part of this new restaurant redesign they are you know proposing a volcano <laughs> yes i did see this news and i actually watched the historic review commission's like meeting about this so now i have at least some reasoning and understanding behind said proposed volcano. But I do want to know before we get into this, have y'all gone to Double Wide or I guess right now it's Spork Pit Barbecue? Wow, there's a lot of mixed messaging. I'm, I'm kind of confused about what the title is of this place. <laughs> Yeah, no, I totally get this. Uh, but I am actually a big fan of this establishment. If you listen to uh, the mac and cheese episode, I am a lover of what was formerly known as the Double Wide Grill and what is currently known as Spork Pit Barbecue. Yeah, you really like their brisket mac and cheese, right? It is so yummy. <laughs> yes, and they have some good veggie options too. Uh, but I want to know, what was the idea behind this volcano? Yeah, so the restaurant basically was saying they wanted to have this volcano as part of a redesign to attract people. But specifically, they kind of mentioned how the restaurant is set back from the street, unlike the nearby businesses. Mm. Um, so if you've ever been to Double Wide, you'll notice it's like it, it's not straight up to the sidewalk. Uh, and apparently part of the reasoning for the volcano is it would attract people to the restaurant and draw attention to the south side. It, it, it is a very captivating design. Right. I will say that. There were more elements than just the volcano, but the volcano was the eye-catching part. <laughs> 
Yes. Ultimately, the Historic Review Commission denied their proposal for this redesign. And there were some community comments here. Uh, In one, someone called this redesign of the restaurant. They kind of said it was like a destination like Kennywood, which (laughs) I thought was pretty funny. (laughs) An amusement design. Yes. I'm getting flashbacks to the old volcano ride. The real ones will remember. (laughs) I've actually never been to Kennywood. Oh, my gosh. What? I know. I'm not really like a roller coaster person. Okay. Fair. Okay, fair. But I will say the roller coasters are my favorite part of Kennywood. Um, Mary Lee, we will have to change that this summer. Uh, Maybe we will take listeners along. (laughs) I don't know if they want to come along. I have really bad motion sickness, guys. I don't know if they want to be there for that. Okay. Well, count Mary Lee out. She doesn't get to... She doesn't get the essential Pittsburgh experience. You can't jostle me around. I'm very, I'm very <laughs> delicate. We can take you on the merry-go-round. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But back anyway. to not Kennywood. Uh, the Historic Review Commission video was actually really interesting, um, only because I've never actually watched one of these, but it was really fascinating. Uh, we'll link to a story about this whole uh, volcano situation. Um, But I am curious, just on gut reaction, y'all, are you pro-volcano? Yes. Uh, That is unequivocal. (laughs) I am pro-spectacle. Listen, if it's camp, like, I'm in favor. Bring it out. Do the show stopping. I just, you know, I want too much all the time. (laughs) I could go both ways. Southside feels like a place for something ridiculous like this. But then again, it doesn't really go with the historic vibes. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a really historic place. Uh, I don't, like listeners might not know, I'm from the Deep South, uh, New Orleans, some parts of Mississippi. And uh, I I do really get the need for the Historic Review Commission. And, and while I love the volcano, I am also, I'm like a big camp fan. Hell I yeah. do see the need for some elements being redesigned because it's not just the volcano that they were concerned about i think the volcano is what we all paid attention to but uh, i do love tiki themed anything i love me a tiki drink uh so once spork island trading co opens i will be visiting and i will be joining you merrily that is a threat um so, <laughs> uh, so moving on to our main news items merrily what caught your attention this week So one story that caught my eye was the U.S. Steel settlement that was reached. So according to reporting from the Allegheny Front, which we will link in our show notes, in total, the settlement is like $42 million. And these dollars are split up in like all kinds of ways. Yeah, that's a lot of money. And it's being called a historic suit in the state. Like so many other lawsuits, this has been going on for a while. But this one in particular started after there was a fire on Christmas Eve at the Clarendon Coke Works plant back in 2018. And there was a lot of really bad air pollution for months following that. Bad, bad air pollution. I feel like we're always joking about air quality here. Um, but an article from WESA explained that the plant emitted above allowed levels of sulfur dioxide and hydrogen sulfide after that fire. There was a study a couple of years ago that showed more people were going to the doctor for asthma-related concerns after the fire. You know, Oof. So big impact. The suit also included like other violations from this plant in 2019 and 2022. According to the AP, the plaintiff said that the plant violated its air quality permits more than 12,000 times. What? That's what? so much. That's yeah. awful. That is not okay. Yeah, and the, the plaintiffs in this case were the county, our, our county, Allegheny, in case you're wondering which county you're in, <laughs> if you're listening to the show. It was Pitt Environment, which is like a research and advocacy group, and the Clean Air Council. 
Wow. So all that money, the $42 million, where, like, where is it going? To the people who've been affected by the bad air pollution? Like, like who's getting it? Yes, very valid question. So uh, people are part of it. About $5 million is going to go to communities who have been affected by the plant. Mm. And Pan Environment's press release about getting this settlement explains that most of the $5 million is going to go to, like, public health projects. That's so important. Uh, quick math here. That still leaves over $30 million. <laughs> Yeah. Thanks uh, for that math check. Yeah. So a big <laughs> chunk of the money is actually going to go to the Claritin Coke Works to make the actual plants like better. It's going to make improvements. So U.S. Steel put out a statement that says they'll, quote, invest approximately $19.5 million in upgrades to Coke oven gas cleaning facilities. Please say that five times fast. That is a mouthful. <laughs> Lordy. Uh, Pin Environment's release that they also put out said that part of the settlement was upgrading equipment and replacing old equipment that's broken. So U.S. Steel has already spent like $17.5 million on that. So another win, according to Pin Environment, is that the Claritin Coke Works needs to shut down some of their ovens that caused a lot of pollution. Mm. U.S. Steel, yin's better red up. Hey, Pittsburgh. Behind those stately red doors on Bingham Street, the brilliant minds at Pittsburgh's City Theater have a brand new stage show for you. It's a modern revamp of the Shakespearean classic Hamlet. Fat Ham follows a young queer black man named Juicy, whose father visits from beyond the grave to demand Juicy avenge his murder. Check it out through March 24th and get your tickets at citytheatercompany.org. Use code CITYCAST, all one word, for $5 off. So as we're recording this, we're supposed to be getting a rare break from the doom and gloom of Pittsburgh winter this weekend. Yes. Yay. Yes. Yay. Go outside, people. Go outside. Go outside. <laughs> I know. Uh, that could always change to the default Pittsburgh gray. So please no. do, not, do not hold us <laughs> accountable for the poor weather. Um, but uh, recently, speaking of poor weather, we had some pretty bad rain, which meant flooding. Francesca, you grew up here uh, like I did. Did you learn about how to keep yourself safe from flooding growing up? Well, I grew up out in the suburbs, so I didn't really have that much of a risk, but my parents grew up in the South Hills, and I remember them mm. always joking about, you know, if the South Hills flooded, you might as well jump in because <laughs> it's all over. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that, that is so dark. Bleak. <laughs> That's Pittsburghers for you. That's so fair. That's so valid, Francesca. <laughs> uh, well, Marilee, I know that parts of Louisiana get a lot of rain, too, so maybe you knew about this, but my mom, like, drilled into me that if I'm in a car in like a flood, I should like break the window and climb onto the roof action movie hero style. <laughs> Is that like actually what you're supposed to do? I, I'm just like, I mean, Louisiana and parts of the South do get a lot of flooding, but I also have never experienced a flood personally. And uh, usually if it rained a lot in Louisiana, we stayed inside. That was kind of what we did. Do you want to get on top of a wet car? Like, is that safe? Tell me, Elizabeth. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I okay. I did fact check my mother. I do love her deeply, but she she did need to be fact checked. Um, <laughs> uh, and AAA recommended that um, basically, like, if your car is sinking under the water or about to be submerged, that's when you break the window and get out. Um, not like, you know, a pretty, like, easy flash flood or something quick and like this is like for real serious stuff oh, this is like your wa your car is going under the water yeah yeah okay 100%. it's like 
it's like you went off a bridge. <laughs> yeah, in Pittsburgh, that's not totally uh, out of the question either. No, it isn't. We've got a lot of options. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I mean, like, there there are a lot of ways that you can end up in uh, in the rivers of Pittsburgh. Uh, but back to the flooding, uh, the Trib had an article where they reached out to the National Weather Service um, and a meteorologist said that last month was actually like the ninth wettest January on record. Uh, and we got 5.26 inches of rain and snow. Gross. Ugh. Wow. That's a lot. I feel like getting around in the snow or navigating with all this rain, any closures because of flooding is really tough. Like all the areas around Point State Park, the 10th Street bypass was closed down and the Mon Wharf was flooded too. There's a reason why we call that the bathtub. <laughs> yes, it is called the bathtub. Um, but with our sewage system, it's not like particularly clean. And I'm particularly uh, worried about like our unhoused neighbors. This rain really impacted them. Uh, there was an encampment on the Mon Wharf that was flooded. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there were some really... Uh really dramatic photos from that. I know mm-hmm. that before extreme weather events, uh, the city and the county, they send people to notify folks living there that it, the rain was coming um, so that they can move their things and like find other places to stay. Yeah, one person still needed to be rescued from the flooding. The city is taking down the encampment now, and I'm sure a lot of unhoused people lost their things. It got washed away based on some of these photos. Yeah, and, and we'll link that in our show notes so you can you can read up. Yeah. And if you want to help the Sam Schmidt for Council Instagram account put out an emergency request for resources. This was right after the flood. So requests for clothing got filled. But there was an update on their story that said they were still taking donations for sleeping bags, tents, tarps, socks and other hygiene items. There's a few spots for drop off and donations can even be picked up. So we'll include a link to the post in our show notes if you have items that you're able to give. Yes, embody Mr. Rogers and be a good neighbor to the unhoused folks in our community. But moving on, it is ironic that this flooding came right after Pete Buttigieg came to Pittsburgh to announce like money was going to be used to stop flooding. Right, right. He was announcing investments to improve the Mon Wharf. This is very much giving Biden visiting <laughs> Pittsburgh just as the Fern Hollow Bridge collapsed. It's it's happening all over again. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yes, once is an accident, twice is a coincidence, and three times is a pattern. So if something like this happens again, I'm like, we'll fully be convinced that the universe is out to get us. <laughs> we can't have anything good happen to us. Um, <laughs> but back to Buttigieg. He came last Friday to announce $142.3 million in funding, which is not anything to scoff at. Yeah, the money is for several projects, not just fixing the bathtub. Ed Blazina from Pittsburgh Union Progress had some info on these projects. One of them is focused on Parkway East uh, from, from Monroeville to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. And the goal is to reduce traffic and vehicle speed. Oh, yeah. I mean, reducing vehicle speeds is something that we talked about in our interview with Bike PGH. They talked about how slowing down traffic is really important for like everyone that uses the road. Yeah. And another improvement, Mary Lee, I think you're going to like this one. Uh, We're supposed to be getting bus lanes on the Parkway East, too. I love bus lanes. (laughs) Yes. I am a bus girly. Give me bus lanes. Give me bike lanes. I love public transit. Oh, my God. I love that campaign. And another improvement is paving the busway. And that's supposed to provide more stability for some of our hills. 
Yeah. And I know that we were talking about this before, but stabilizing hillsides is really important because of how much risk we're at for landslides in Pittsburgh, Mm -hmm. especially with the weather the way it is. We're getting cold temperatures, warm ones. We're getting lots of freezes and thaws. Yes. Yeah, no. And I know that like y'all talked about what could cause landslides and gave some updates in a recent Friday News Roundup. Um, But I also want to shout out an episode from last year where we had public sources reporter Quinn Glabicki on to talk about his reporting on how climate change is going to make our landslide prone environment way worse and generally like how that's going to impact homeowners. Uh, Because quick spoiler alert, although it's been out for a year, so I hope you have listened. Um, (laughs) uh, It is going to make insurance way higher. Yeah. And we'll make sure that we link these things in the show notes so that people can uh, pay attention to this. Yes. And we will be following that money. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. So there is something else that's happening this weekend around a historical figure, a Pittsburgh writer. Uh, Francesca, you did a bunch of research into this. Tell us about it. Yes, that's right. Do you guys know Gertrude Stein? I know she is part of the Alphabet Mafia, a.k.a. she is queer, uh, but that is about it. (laughs) I know very little about Gertrude Stein. Well, I will tell you about her. Yes, you're right, Elizabeth. Uh, She was a writer and LGBTQ plus icon, very openly out with her partner, Alice B. Toklas in Paris. She's most famously known for her salons in Paris during the early 20th century, where authors like Ernest Hemingway and F. Scott Fitzgerald and artists like Pablo Picasso came together for creative conversations. I just want to put it out there that maybe it's possible that these literary greats would have never put their best ideas out into the world onto paper if not for her. Wow, that's so cool. I like didn't realize she had these like super dope connections and was so impactful. But I am going to point out, you said Paris. I also thought you said she's from Pittsburgh. So can you like explain that a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Although she was only here for all of six months before sh- her family left. Oh, a baby. Yeah. A baby, <laughs> a child. There's still a plaque outside of the home that she was born in. 850 Beach Avenue in Allegheny West. Uh, She was born there in 1874, and that was Allegheny City at the time, before it was annexed into the city of Pittsburgh. But right around the corner uh, from her birthplace, City Books, they are going to be celebrating her 150th birthday on Saturday, um, and the city is even going to proclaim it Gertrude Stein Day. You know, this just proves that Pittsburgh will claim anyone who is, like, within, like, a five-foot radius of city limits uh, for 15 minutes. Or like the five degrees of Pittsburgh. Like yeah, if you are even tangentially related to us, we will we, we will, claim, we will you. claim you. But fi- <laughs> but uh, 150 years, that's like, that's a long, long time ago. Do we know any of her writing? Like would I have read it in like English class or something? Honestly, I hadn't read any of her stuff. She was really avant-garde for her time. She played around with structure and sound. Mm. Um, she was very integral in the development of modernism. 
You may recognize one of her quotes, like might have floated around social media. Um, it, it goes, do we suppose that all she knows is that a rose is a rose is a rose is a rose? Does that sound familiar? I feel like I read that in an English textbook when I was in high school, but that is the old, it, it glimmers with recognition. <laughs> I feel like I've like seen that like on like a hipster tattoo, like someone who has like like the little like mustache on the finger. Oh no. <laughs> Probably. It's it is likely. Um but I was curious which of her books or writings to start with. So I tapped local Gertrude Stein expert Kathleen Dixon Donnelly. She's the author of Such Friends, The Literary 1920s. Okay, the one to start and end with is the autobiography of Alice B. Toklas. And it's delightful. It's a romp. Uh, it's the one that really did make her uh, popularly famous. But the autobiography, you can just sit down and read it straight through. It's great fun. It's got Paris in the 20s and everywhere else. And she trashes people. And she's <laughs> writing it. she's writing it in Alice's voice. Okay. So Alice can say, well, he was a real pain in the neck, you know, or something. It's not Gertrude. <laughs> that was Alice who said that. That so, is hilarious. It's very good. And I hate to, spoiler alert, I hate to give away the ending, but at the end she says she had been, um, that Alice says that Gertrude had been nagging her to write her autobiography. And I said, I don't have time because I'm cooking <laughs> and cleaning and everything. And Gertrude said, well, then I'll write it for you. And this is it. I love a gossip. I love a drama. Yeah. I also uh, love that queer representation in the early 20th century. I think that's awesome. Totally. They met the day after Stein arrived in Paris in 1907 and were together from then on. It's really sweet when you look back on their story. Um, but I got to be honest with you, as much as we love this progressive, out gay love of the time, uh, Stein was pretty problematic. Oh, Lordy. Okay. Lay it on us. Yeah. So at the time they were in Paris, France was occupied by Nazis. And unfortunately, history shows that Stein supported a man named Philippe Pétain. He was the head of state of the pro-Nazi collaborationist Vichy regime. The real head scratcher here is that Stein and Toklas were both queer Jewish women. Yeah, I've done some reporting and research on Nazism and the Holocaust and there are definitely some other examples of queer people who got involved with the Nazi regime to protect themselves. Um, obviously, like, we don't know what Stein's motivations were. We don't know if she had these bad mm -hmm. takes, if she was doing this to protect herself. We don't know her culpability. Uh, but it is something that you, like, really should consider when you're thinking about her story, her work, and, like, you know, just a complicated history. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that we can appreciate her art and celebrate her for part of her, her story, but also make sure that we're acknowledging this other part. Um, you know, we're not putting her on a pedestal, but we are learning from the past. Uh, but we'll link some more info in the show notes about it if you want to read more. Um, but you can do something more interactive. Uh, you can join City Books and Hulane Wellness for activities from 12 to 4 p.m. on Saturday uh, right over there in Allegheny West. Yeah, get right up. So the last thing before we go, uh, I have a really important question for you guys. I know it's a very <laughs> hard pivot from history to alcohol, but I just finished my dry January. Woo! I did it, you guys. I made it all the way through. Uh, go, Mary everyone, Pat me on the back. Uh, but I'm curious, where should I go to get my first cocktail of the year this weekend? I am very excited that I can sip on a bevy. Get a little uh, drinkity again. drink. Yes, Ooh. I will. 
I love this for you, Mary Lee. Um, it's not a cocktail, but I want to shout out this new beer collab. I saw Cinderland's Beer and Farmer's Daughter's Flowers. That's over there in East Allegheny. Yeah. They collabed on this beer called Love Potion 412. Mm. Um, and it is with rose hips, hibiscus, orange blossom honey, and citra hops. It's Yum. a special Valentine's Day drink. Um, it just sounds really lovely. So if you're a beer drinker, check it out. Well, you know, I am also a huge fan of a floral drinkity drink. Um, honestly, Ritual House has great cocktails that they've curated, like, and they've curated such a good vibe down there in their in down their downtown like bar. Um, my favorite drink is their lavender lemon drop. Uh, I, you know. I feel like we're maybe it's flower power month because we're both recommending flower alcohol drinks. But, you know, I mean, that sounds delicious and I will have to put those on my list. Well, Francesca and Elizabeth, thank you guys so much. Yes, thank you. I hope everyone has a wonderful weekend out there in the Berg. Yeah, thanks for having me back. And that's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you are liking what you're hearing, please write us a nice review. I know people say that on every podcast all the time, but it really does matter to us. And it's a nice way to show the CityCast team that you care. And we might even read your review on the show. Our music is by Benji. Our host is Megan Harris. Sophia Lowe and Elizabeth Kama produce the show. Francesca DeBecco and Natalia Aldana write our newsletter. And I'm your executive producer, Mary Lee Williams. We'll be back on Monday with more news from around the city. Have a great weekend. Let it go. Um, Sorry, that just sounded like I was trying to go to the bathroom. Oh, no. (laughs) Not bathroom humor. (laughs) Not on our precious podcast. Not on our bathtub. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Segment. Oh, no.